Welcome to another edition of the YXE Sports Podcast for the week of August the 17th. This is episode number 34. Matt Morrison, a pleasure to be with you. Ray Morrison, to my left, how are you? I'm fantastic. We are in the Legends Lounge, and a true legend has joined us. A buddy of mine for 33 years, Tom Robertson from STV, makes up our studio audience tonight. We, we won't give him any camera time, though. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who's tuning in live on the Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar Facebook page. You're nervous, aren't you? On the YXE Sports Podcast Facebook page. Hey, I've Scared done this. Scared much? A, no, I've done this a thousand times before. All right. I've done this a thousand times before. Right. I've been on TV before. What's that? I've been on TV before. You have been on TV before. Yes, you have. And audiences. It'll be fine. How's the weekend? Uh, the weekend was good. How about you? It good. I got eventful, close to home. And yeah, I got a haircut uh, <laughs> that wasn't in the backyard for the first time since oh, COVID started. Oh, there you started. go. An indoor haircut. An indoor haircut at wow. an actual salon, barbershop. A, a post-pandemic first. Exactly. Oh, good. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I was looking through our analytics. Yep. And I uh, realized that we've had some people tune in from Mountain View, California on wow. the, to the audio version. To so, the audio version. Yes. Okay. So people, uh, there was uh, a handful of listeners from Mountain View, California last week. There was one from Ohio, one from Michigan, and I think there was two from Washington. So a big hello to everybody tuning in from the United States of America. You know how at Pardon the Interruption, Tony Kornheiser, Michael Wilbon, at the end of the show, Kornheiser has the Canadian flag and he waves goodbye, Canada. We should start doing that, but with a little California flag. For our four American Viewers and Good listeners. night, California. Good night, California. Wave the little... Uh, 54.4 degrees Celsius in Death Valley. That's yesterday. too hot. Yeah. So they're probably in listening to us getting out of the heat. It was, almost, it was almost too hot in Saskatoon, and I think we yeah. topped 34, <laughs> 35 it degrees. It was warm so. today. Yep. An action-packed show lined up uh, this week. Of course, the big news, the news that swept the nation came down today. The Canadian Football League has officially canceled the 2020 season so originally it was uh, there was hope that there was going to be a shortened season but that is no longer as it was announced today that the CFL has officially canceled the 2020 season so what are your initial thoughts on the announcement today well it's always tough when a professional league is trying to lean on the federal government for aid and if they don't get it they're not going to be able to play I mean that's always a tough one right that's a tough situation to be in for any pro sports league and that's where the Canadian Football League basically found itself and of course initially they were trying to get about 130 million dollars or even 150 to get this season and next season you know sort of on the go post pandemic and they weren't able to do that so um i i you know i i never probably did have extremely high hopes that the federal government was going to come through and bail out the canadian football league with any sort of special package or things like that and you take a look at uh, the reigning government now with the finance minister stepping down today as well so um, there's all sorts of issues as to what the federal government should do with aid money right now in the midst of a pandemic and I'm not sure that money to the Canadian Football League would have been all that popular. Well you had to think when conservative member of parliament Kevin Waugh who was on the show two weeks ago asked Stephen Gillibo the heritage minister in the House of Commons and Stephen Gillibo's response was they do not provide funding to for-profit organizations or you kind of had to think that the writing was probably going to be on the wall then and that was July 22nd I believe. What is interesting about this though is the federal government has sort of thrown out an olive branch and said look down the road we don't want to see the Canadian Football League fold. We we want to help where we can but we'd like to understand the business model. Mm-hmm. And guess what? So would I. <laughs> I'd love to understand the business model for the Canadian Football League. One of the most affluent groups Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment owns the Toronto Argos and it is just a team that bleeds money. Um, Austin Matthews' salary could cover the Argos' payroll for two seasons. 
And Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, even though it's a drop in the bucket to them, they're not interested in losing that kind of money. So, you know, the federal government, they're going to be in for a real eye-opener as to how the CFL functions and works basically going into every season. You kind of know Toronto, it's going to be a long shot that they're going to be a profitable team unless yeah. they are able to, you know, host a Grey Cup at Skydome and maybe get close to a break-even point. It's, it's a little bit tough, but you have two very affluent owners in Calgary Sports and Entertainment and uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, Bob Young, David Braley, affluent guys, and then three community-owned teams where football is king, where, you know, the CFL is everything in, in Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Saskatchewan. So um, the dynamics are interesting. It'll be interesting to see a fresh set of eyes from the federal government, if it ever comes to this, to get a look at this to see if there's any way at all that they can – figure out how to make this league viable and kind of withstand crisis like this that uh, come up every now and then. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. And I read an article on TSN when I was reading about this today yep. uh, that the CFL said that the federal government said that they could pursue a commercial loan, which would partially be backed by the federal government yeah. in Ottawa. So that was interesting as well. But, you know, and I, I hate to throw people under the bus because this is just a, a sad situation for everybody involved, the league, the players, the fans, the teams. But in my personal opinion, Randy Ambrosi, commissioner of the CFL, has gone about this just horribly, horribly wrong when he first went to the government for money. He didn't really have a plan as to how that money was going to be used. Of course, Kevin Waugh again asking the tough questions. Is this going to be a loan? Is this a bailout? CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi didn't really have an answer for that. And also, I mean, how many weeks was it that we didn't hear anything in the CFL? Yeah. A lot of CFL players felt like they were left in the lurch because for how long? They had no idea what way this season was going to go. It's interesting you mention that because I just got a text from a CFL player who says, we will hear this week what the deal is on our free agency or not. He was just in contact with the Players Association, and there are so many questions right now, lots of meetings for them coming up as well as to you know where contracts stand and exactly what's going to be owed to them now that there is no season at all, mm -hmm. if anything. Again, you're talking about a ticket-driven league, and there's no income because there's no fans. So, you know, players are looking for their share. They, you know, And you also feel bad for some of the players that were kind of hanging on, waiting for this decision, which probably could have been made a month, month and a half ago. Yeah. Because these guys have not only stayed in shape, but probably haven't secured anything employment-wise in the off chance that there was going to be a CFL season. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to come into camp unprepared because it is your love, but on the other side of the coin, you're asking a lot. Uh, Dave Naylor from TSN um, had something interesting to say today, too. He said, you know, the pandemic will soon wipe out the reserves for the three community-owned teams, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and Edmonton, which enter the offseason with no revenue streams beyond what they can produce in season ticket sales for 2021, which brings the question, how many of the league's six private owners are able to keep spending so that they can try this again? in 2021 yeah and that's that's a really good question the harsh reality Naylor says is that unless teams are going to be allowed 15 to 20,000 fans in stadiums next summer the CFL is going to need a benefactor or of some kind which again might be the federal government but it could be the NFL he suggests it could be somebody in the private sector that wants to kick in a major contribution but it's um, 
It's uh, an interesting time for the Canadian Football League. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Of course, he just bought the, he bought the he could, XFL. He could pony up somebody yeah. for the Canadian Former Football CFL League. Former CFL guy, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But that is the question <laughs> is, you know, will this cripple some teams? In the cripple's a harsh word, but, yeah. you know, how many teams are going to have uh, an effect uh, about their, because of the 2020 cancelled CFL season? And what comes to mind are the community-owned teams, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and the Edmonton Eskimos. All three do very well attendance-wise and profit-wise. But you got to think that those community-owned teams are kind of going to be the ones in trouble if, if this happens past 2020. Well, and don't forget about the multi-million-dollar stadiums that were just built in Winnipeg and in Regina as mm-hmm. well. I mean, that's the other issue, right? Taxpayers are on the hook for a couple of venues that right now don't have major tenants that they were built under the presumption that they'd be okay. Now, Dave Naylor, I think it was Dave Naylor, also did bring up a good point as well. And he said, you know, as bad as it is that this season got canceled, at least now you can move to 2021 immediately, right? So now you can move right. and start plan, planning. prepare for 2021 yep. compared to when you normally would in December, you know, January after the Grey Cup has been played. So if there is a silver lining, the CFL does have lots of time to come up with a plan for 2021. But based off of what we saw for the 2020 season, I'm not so sure that CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi is going to be uh, capable of this was putting a, quote, a plan together. Th- this was a quote from Randy Ambrosi today. I do feel I'm responsible for the fact that we are not on the field this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he is... He is taking the bullet, and as we talked about, you know, in that meeting, uh, that heritage meeting, when Kevin Waugh asked him if it was a loan or a bailout he was after when he was looking for $150 million for the 2020 and 21 seasons, and he didn't have an answer, that was, that was pretty tough when he basically said, we're looking for a partner. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, again, I go back to that. At that point in time, you kind of knew that the Canadian Football League was going to be in a little bit of trouble in securing financing from, from the feds. Well, reading everything on Twitter today, too, and this was an interesting fact just by a a random Twitter user, uh, and he basically said, you know, because the argument was, well, the federal government's been giving money to all these other businesses during COVID, but all those businesses are going to have to pay that back eventually. And I don't know if the CFL was necessarily willing to do that, right? So that's kind of that argument as to, you know, why isn't the CFL being treated like a business? Because it doesn't really sound like they were willing to kind of fork over some of that money. And one of the terms that the Canadian Football League said that they had from the federal government was there was was an opportunity for a loan that the CFL turned down because of the high interest fees in return that the government would, you know, they would want back if they were going to lend money, which just wasn't going to work. But, you know, it's a program that obviously other businesses are yeah yeah are, are trying to take advantage of for sure. so that was yeah. super interesting it'll be interesting to see it is a sad sad day for the cfl fans uh i think of myself as a rather optimistic person there's a lot of people that think the cfl could be in dire dire trouble past this season yeah. i'm not allowing my mind to go there yet i do think that the cfl will recover did you know that the last time the great cup wasn't handed out was in 1919 yep. the last time there was a pandemic yep yeah, oh yeah. No, that's right. It's been given out every year. And of course, I'm old enough to remember, you know, farmers bringing their grain to the old Taylor Field to keep the Saskatchewan Rough Riders afloat 30 years ago and the telethons. And just about every team in the Canadian Football League at one time or another has had some sort of crisis. Uh, maybe not the Edmonton Eskimos, but every other team that I can think of has yeah. had some sort of crisis where their future has been in question. So that's um, that's the the challenge right now but this league has been through them before 
Well, and I have no doubt in my mind that Rider Nation uh, would probably bring grain to yeah. New oh Mosaic yeah, Stadium. absolutely. It's Again, a, yeah. if they really if they really had to, if it got to that that's, point, which I don't think it, it will. Get back to that. They yeah exactly, but they really really will. I think uh, Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans all over the place will do anything to see the Riders on the field. Hopefully in 2021. Of course, we are live at Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar, and they are open for business. You can now enjoy their classics like the chicken tenders, the Wendell Burger, and the best fries in the business. And new to Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar is delivery. That's right. You can have Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar come to you. The best part, delivery is free on orders more than $30. Make sure to check out their Facebook page for delivery specials. They have uh, something new on special every day as well. Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar on the corner of Circle and Idlewild. You can call 306-382-1717. And also the Petrovka Orchard is much more than an apple orchard. There are walking trails, a country store, and gourmet products to try while enjoying the view. They have everything you need. Apple smokies, sausage, gourmet relishes, barbecue sauce, and so much more, including fresh buns from the clay oven. If you want to pick up an apple smokie on the way to the lake, they can have that ready for you as well. You can visit PetrovkaOrchard.com and see Diana Fedosov's great videos on the Petrovka Orchard Facebook page. The Petrovka Orchard is located 30 miles north of Saskatoon. Are we all, are we done with the negative CFL talk or do you have anything else you need to add? No, I don't need, no, nothing else. I mean, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. This mm-hmm. story is going to stay in the news cycle for some time. Obviously, there will be developments. Randy Ambrosi is going to have to, um, it might not be in the, in the coming days, but he's going to have to outline to the players at some point in time what his plan is to get this league, you know, in place for 2021. And, of course, when you have that many players that have access to social media, I'm not sure that that many are going to stay secret <laughs> any meetings between, you know, the players yeah. and, uh, and the owners. I don't think – I think we'll, we'll find out pretty quickly if there's any dialogue and what exactly Randy Ambrosi has in mind to get this thing turned around. Well, some players have already taken to social media, Twitter specifically, and some players have chosen to take the high road in regards to this, and some players have chosen to take the not-so-high road yeah. in regards to this. But James Wilder Jr., running back for the Montreal Alouettes, well, former running back for the Montreal Alouettes, actually retired – a couple months ago yep. because of this, because the CFL didn't have a plan. And I'm surprised that more players didn't uh, choose to go that way. But, I mean, when you literally have reti- players retiring from professional football. And stars. I yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah, James yeah. Wilder Jr. is a star yeah, in this yeah, yeah. Canadian Football League, yeah. right? I mean, if you're the CFL, you kind of have to look at yourselves in the mirror yeah. and say, well, why did this happen? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, this is, in defense of Randy Ambrosi, and I'll, I'll kind of get in Randy's corner here a little bit. This is a once-in-a-century pandemic, yes. you know, and there's, there are a lot of businesses, small businesses, that are having trouble making a go of it right now, and that's just the situation that the CFL finds itself in. And having said that, though, uh, I am with you a little bit, Matt. I do think that Randy Ambrosi could have probably played this a little bit better at points, especially when he was in front of that Heritage Committee meeting. Yeah, I really think that that's when some players started to question his leadership when he didn't have any information from the players before he went to the Heritage Committee. They weren't part of that meeting. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure, like you said. So, And I think this isn't going away for a long time, no. like you said as well. So we'll have to keep uh, in the news cycle, and you'll have to listen to the YXC Sports Podcast for all the updates yep. for the CFL because we'll cover it. We'll move on to much more happy things now. The NHL playoffs. Well, I'm a Leafs fan, so maybe not happy, but (laughs) (laughs) the Montreal Canadiens didn't uh, fare so hot over the weekend either. Well, let's talk about your Leafs. No, we talked about that last week. Oh, we don't need to talk about this. I will will say, no, they haven't. 
I will say that it brings a smile to my face to see that the Tampa Bay Lightning are up 3-1, three games to one on the Columbus Blue Jackets. But uh, you got to think that the story of the first round of the playoffs has been this goaltending. In oh, almost yeah. every series. Oh, yeah. No doubt has been about phenomenal. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking about goaltenders that are losing games but stopping 57 shots. It was a Cam you know, Talbot that, over the weekend, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That Dallas-Calgary game, that was unbelievable. I don't know why this, the NHL did this, but tomorrow, you know what the schedule is for August 18th? Philadelphia and Montreal play at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So 3 o'clock Eastern, they play a day game, and then basically at 3.30, it'll be Calgary and Dallas. Okay. Why are the Canadian teams on in the daytime where the games are in Canada? Your, your ratings are going to be better on television if you put those games at night and the American matchups on in the day. Who's playing at night then? Uh, you don't know, do you? I don't know. No, I, <laughs> I have no idea. That, there was that five-overtime game, of course, between the Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets yep. last week as well. I think Jonas Corposalo, in a losing effort, yep. made 85 saves. I can't keep track of the schedule. Uh, I mean, that's, yeah. It's <laughs> awesome, right? though. There's five or six. Yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah. there's five or six then, games. But on. then they're, you know, like a tournament, and it does make sense. You know, yeah. they're moving games around a little bit. So that meant that Carolina had to wait the next morning to play their game after that game between Tampa Bay and Columbus. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Are you surprised slash impressed with the way that the NHL has done this whole bubble situation? I am. And, and you know what? The hockey has actually been pretty good. Yeah. The hockey's like you talked about goaltending. But not only that, but one of the things that we are seeing is offense. Like yep. we talked about a 60-shot overtime game philadelphia and montreal that was a recipe for you know if you were lacking sleep that game <laughs> after the five nothing you yeah. know friday win that game uh, the day before yesterday yeah yeah that was not that was not a good game to watch but philadelphia they did what they needed to do right they kind of lulled montreal to sleep and and hung yeah. on to to get on even footing in that series but um no it's been wide open hockey there's been lots of odd man rushes mm-hmm. it's been it's been really good hockey it's it been really normal is. playoff hockey without the fans in my opinion oh yeah no right? it really I mean, yeah i think no, it's it, compares to any other playoffs yeah from years past yep. uh, i'm not sure if you heard about this but uh, there is a little bit of controversy a, a tiny bit of controversy in the nhl bubble of course boston bruins goaltender tuka rask has decided that he is opting out of the rest of the playoffs for however long the Bruins are going to play. So that leaves Yaroslav Halak to be the starting goaltender for the Boston Bruins. Now, the timing of this is interesting because after a game over the weekend, Tuka Rask, might have been last week, but Tuka Rask kind of questioned the bubble life, kind of said how boring the bubble life was and the hockey, and then all of a sudden he's opted out. Now, I'm not in any position to, you know, say why or why not Tuka Rask did opt out. He could have had some things going on at home, but the timing of it is suspicious considering that uh, a few days earlier he said how boring bubble life is. So he's, you know, been uh, a part of a lot of criticism on well, social media I'm not for sure that decision. I mean, you, you, in, a, in the midst of a pandemic when everybody should be doing the right thing, yep. many people in North America are not doing the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yaro Halak, if he's saying, look, I want to protect my family, this Tuka is Rask. in my family, or Tuka Rask, this is in my best interest of my family to do this then that's that's shouldn't be questioned so no matter what he said or what people are thinking if he's if he's saying that in the midst of this crisis that i'm doing what's best for my family nobody should be questioning that but i also understand that we're in the middle of a 
a digital world where everything yeah. is going to be questioned, and that's where we're at. Well, and Nick Felino gave us a great look, captain for the Columbus Blue Jackets, gave us a great look at life inside the bubble over the weekend. So a camera crew actually filmed his walk from the Royal York, York Hotel to Scotiabank Arena, and they don't want these players anywhere where the public is being. So no. it's normally like a two- or three-minute walk to the arena, and Nick Felino's jaunt was probably about 10 minutes because he had to go through a closed bus station. Yep underneath stairs and a whole bunch of stuff. It was quite interesting, but the length that the NHL is going to make sure that these players uh, stay safe is, is really good in my well, opinion. Well, and people get upset when I say this, but again, these players, they are assets. Yeah, They make a lot of money, so when you're talking about players that are making 10 11 and $12 million, those are assets to the owners, and it's on the NHL to make sure that these players are protected, considering that the NHL has decided that they're going to try this and you know try to make some revenue in the midst of a pandemic, but the owners, they're, they're footing the bill, so yep. they will spare no expense. The NHL nor the teams should be sparing any expense for these highly paid players because they are, they are assets to the league and they are assets to the teams. Yeah, absolutely. The Tampa Bay Lightning look really good, as do the New York Islanders. And out of the West, the Vegas Golden Knights look uh, pretty good as well. So uh, now that we've seen a week of hockey... Who, yep. do you, who do you think has the best chance at moving on and potentially taking a chance? Well, at the it is cup? interesting because I thought the Halak-Rask duo yeah. might lead to some interesting things for the Boston Bruins, but now that that's not on, who knows? And Carolina is one of those teams. The thing is with this hockey where there are no, you know, the only advantage you really have is if you're designated the home team yes. and you have last change. Yeah. <clears throat> There's no home ice advantage, you know. There's no, you know, so any sort of momentum has to come from within. So it's really tough to kind of pick up what might go on there. Uh, how about Vancouver up 2-1 yeah. on the defending Stanley Cup champions? That's, uh, that's interesting. They're getting some good mileage out of a lot of players. Yep. And it seems to be a pretty deep group that Coach Green has there that, you know, they seem to be – you never know really who's going to be kind of the star on that team. One time it's a goaltender, one time it's on defense, and then the next thing you know, you know, guy like Brock Besser just steps up and decides that he's going to be. Look at that. There you go. Look at that service <laughs> from the, from the so crew, from there, the audience. There you go. So, the, so, my water so for, for Vancouver, you know, that's, that's kind of what it is. But then, you know, you think about uh, that Calgary-Dallas series that I was talking about. I could see a guy like Johnny Gaudreau. There was a shot of him just absolutely in focus, just locked in. Yeah. I could see a guy like that going on an unbelievable tear in yeah. that series. So you, you just – you just never, never know. It's just, it's just too tough to call who might win this. Well, and the Flyers. I mean, the one hiccup that they had was that 5 nothing loss against Montreal. Yep. But last night, I mean, you can make the argument that last night's game or Sunday's game was a little bit boring. But they played that perfectly. They, yeah. You know, that's what they wanted to do against Montreal after being drubbed the night before. Yep. So, Elaine Vigneault, he, I really like him as a coach. Me too. I'm not sure if they're going to have the entire depth there to get it done. Yeah. But I do like Elaine Vigneault. He's, yeah. he's a very good coach for that team. Well, if Carter Hart stays hot in uh, between yep. the pipes for the Philadelphia Flyers, then you never know. As uh, it so often does in playoff hockey, in the NHL playoffs, it comes down to goaltending and defense. I think that probably wraps up our time for this week. That was one of the easiest shows that we've ever done. It was and the Raptors won their opener over yeah, the Nets, too. 134 to 10, I think it was, 134 or something like to that. 10, Fred Van Bleet with 30. Yeah. Bunch and of them three pointers. Yeah, absolutely. So the Raptors so are looking to repeat as well. Sports is back at it. So big <laughs> thanks to everybody that tuned in on the Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar Facebook page and the YXE Sports Podcast Facebook page. And big thanks to everybody uh, who is listening for the audio version or to the audio version of the podcast. Even those in well. California. Even those in Mountain View, California. So good night, California. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Stay safe.